racing for that finish line. We're right out of the game. Good night, everybody. Yeah, it's a good pleasure. I missed you. I'm sure you did. I missed you so much. I'm sure. So much. Just like Finn, Finn Balor misses his shoulder. Mm. How was your first week of class, dude? First night. Yeah, um, I know. I mean, but. Yeah. Oh, great. Excellent. Yeah? I'm a little stunned, though. Why? Well, we're doing a movie poster. Redesigning and illustrating a movie poster. Mm-hmm. They get to pick the movie. Mm-hmm. They get to approach it any way they want. They could change the the lineup of the actors in the movie. They could do Star Wars mm-hmm. with nothing but gerbils if they want. I don't care. Make it work. So I, I'm showing them bad examples of, of movie posters, and I'm showing them examples of great movie posters. Okay. They've never seen Jaws. What? They don't. They don't know what. Um, I showed them Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nothing. Oh Lord! Like, like I said, uh, how about The Exorcist? Oh no, no. Fantasy Jaws. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of posters of like Knocked Up and I Love You, Man. <laughs> one of them. One of them wants to do the room. I'm like, okay, sweetheart, you want to do the room? So, <laughs> how many kids are we talking? Seven. And and the ages are these are college age kids. Yeah, juniors in college. Oh, so what do you figure? Like 22, 23? No, a lot younger than that. Oh really? Twenty. Oh okay. Twenty one when they graduate. So. No, they're they're a really bright, talented bunch of kids, but they're young. Mm. And I think I threw them for a loop because sitting them down, I said, "I have no restrictions or rules here. Uh, Whatever you want to do, you do." Can draw in feces. Did you unzip your pants and then? No. I skip professional. (laughs) Oh my goodness! Is this (laughs) Vince? Is this Vince? No. Uh, how many cutes did? For our listeners at home, all of them. Usually, I show up like eight minutes late. For the record, that's that's generous. That's a, yeah, that's <laughs> Vince showed up forty-four minutes late today. It's the first class. I had to present. But apparently, we would have been recording twenty minutes ago if if anyone had thought to tell me that Vince was at his house. I had no oh. idea you did not have Skype open. I thought you had Skype open because it's Wednesday night and you're waiting for us to connect so you can record. But I didn't know you get pinged and then you open up Skype. Kid has problems. Hey, everybody. <laughs> He's trying to protect my bandwidth. 11. That arrow hole. 11 o'clock comics. Oh, this is all over the freaking place. 11 o'clock comics. What episode? 435. And I am Vince B. Uh, yes, you are, Professor. I am David A. Price. Indeed, you are, and I am Chris Santos. <laughs> uh, significance? He's a famous chef. You are not <laughs> Chris, Chris Santa. You <laughs> Santos. <laughs> you are Jason F. and Wood. Cute as a button. What up? What's good? It's popping. Everything. Everything's good today. Man, everything is good. It's it's a pleasure when everything is good. For reals. You know where else everything's really, really good? Where I just placed my order finally. That's right. Yes, sir. Johnny, Johnny, lately. Discount comic book service. DCBService.com where you, all your friends, your loved ones, your animals, your pets can get their comics and get them dirt cheap. Now, remember, this is the last time you're going to hear these specials because the new ones are going to be rolling out very, very soon. From DC, Young Animal. It's a bundle. Save more in a bundle. You can get 
Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number one. Shade the Changing Girl, number one. And Doom Patrol, yep. number two. Yep. For the paltry sum of $5.97. That's crazy. That's half price. Uh, shifting on over to Dark Horse, it's Kurt Busick, Carrie Nord, and Peoples on the Conan Omnibus, Volume 1. It's a trade paperback, not a hardcover. But uh, called Birth of a Legend, 472 pages of awesome Conan action for $12.49. That half price. Again, see the trend? Bananas. And the young upstarts at Image, uh, this Capullo guy, I heard he's kind of popular, mm-hmm. with Mark Miller. They're doing a brand spanking new series. It's a sci-fi fantasy thing called Reborn, the first issue of which you can secure for yourself for half the cover price. You can get it for $1.99. Amazing. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all shipped all nice and secure right to your door. Write this down if you don't already know it. DCBService.com. The best. The best. The best. You know what else is the best? Fellatio. <laughs> uh, it can be. Pretty close to the it best. It can be. Um, Spaghetti. No. Spaghetti uh, wh- and whatever spaghetti. it is you're drinking. Oh, let me go first? Yes. Since you've been waiting with bated breath. Mm-hmm. Once again, Commodore Perry is in my hand. Great Lakes Brewing Company, India Pale Ale. Real good. You love those IPAs. I do. Damn. I had some Blue Moon yesterday. Uh-huh. Like the sum- summer thing. Too sweet. Can't have that? I don't like sweet in my beer. Mm. <laughs> you like sweet in your load, though. Uh, what are you drinking, Jason? Shooting for the NC-17 this week. Gots to. We're starting late enough. Yeah, uh, boy, it's like it's like it's the time when you're allowed to curse. It helps when you connect to the Skype. <laughs> <that> you... <laughs> I mean, because it's so hard to reach out and be like, "Hey, are you not on Skype?" Like, we're, we're already. I text. I texted. You did not. Two on this on the Slack. I did. Dude, I said leave it in ten. Right, my, my booze. Because I love you so much, I thought I'd keep you up to date. Yes, and then I appreciate. Usually, it. when someone says I'm leaving in ten, when you get home, you say, "I'm I'm home. Give me five minutes. I'm ready." I didn't need five minutes. I came home, grabbed the beers, came down, sat down, connected with David, who was ready, as usual. And then I connect, and then I, and then you're talking shit about me, and it hurts my feelings. I, no, I did that on purpose. I, so I knew you would hear it. It hurts my feelings, though. Mm. But if you tell me what you're drinking, I bet that won't hurt your feelings. <laughs> tell the people at home what you're drinking. <laughs> I am drinking a Caparzo Brunello di Montalcino. Wow. At least it's not water. <laughs> It's a wonderful Brunello, and from from the description at the at their liquor store, the wine. It's wine. It's red wine. This value from a superb, much hyped vintage is soft and accessible, with silky tannins and plummy flavors. It's good. Nice. Very good. Yeah, you know what? I'm thinking I maybe shift into the wine. (gasps) No, I love you know I love I love the IPAs, but I have to admit. I feel bloated after I have like three or four. Yeah. Yeah. And the wine doesn't make me feel bloated. It makes me feel sleepy. Mm. So Correct. I'd rather be sleepy than bloated. Speaking of neither sleepy nor bloated, what are you drinking, David? Uh, 
I uh, it's it's something new. Uh, something uh, borrowed, something blue. It is uh, definitely not blue, and blue. and if it's borrowed, I sure as hell ain't giving it back. This is <laughs> from California. It is a Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh. Um, I'm gonna call it Ravage, but it's actually Ravage, and it is uh, the back of the bottle. Unlike what Jason says, all it has on it is dark, rich, and audacious. So it's like Vince in a bottle. I am audacious. That's true, and dark. The label's mm-hmm. pretty funky because it, uh, it's got like some Black Knight looking dude jousting with another guy and the other guy That's is being taken down. No, because his armor's black, you bastard. <laughs> racist. Oh, I love it. Hey, I love it. <laughs> do we have thank yous? I believe we do. Uh, yes. Yes, yes, we do. We do. Fuck, we do. We do. Go ahead, take it away, Vince. Someone, someone go. Well, I don't have it next to me. I was hoping that's why I said David. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> Mine is sitting down in my kitchen. Well, we would like to thank Bob Gar or Nilas. Because it is for, on, yes, it's, down, it's downstairs next to my couch too. Yes, for sending us a mini comic. Dude, and, and it's the mini com- this the titles. Yes. If he did mini comics. It's an awesome little book. <laughs> I love it. And, and I gotta say, the drawing is, is next level for Bob Gar. He's trying stuff, different things. Yeah. And they're working really well. Nice. And I love, I don't know if yours was. Mine was on green paper. So was mine. Yours? Yeah. Yeah. See, I love that. When, you know, white, Bob Gar's too good for white. This is gonna be printed on green. Yeah. And it so works. It's great. That gamma radiation, son. Truth. Enclosed with a little handwritten note. I loved it. Uh huh. Which I ripped. I was yeah, mine was stuck to the uh, to the envelope. It's nice Uh-oh. to get something from Happy Bob Gar, not Sad Bob Gar. Seriously, I hate that meme because I know it probably frustrates the piss out of him. <laughs> Everybody just jumps on that. Guess what? You'll never believe it. The notebook I write the uh, show notes in. Yes. I am on the last page. Wow. Yeah. So if anybody out there wants to make an altered book uh, cover. Shoot me a um, a notebook, alter the cover, and I will feature you Sick. on our Facebook. Awesome. Yep. Because nobody wants to write in a plain old notebook. That's true. That's true. So should we dive right into SummerSlam? Or? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to dive out. I'll see you. <laughs> uh, oh, you want to talk about NXT TakeOver first? I don't even know what you're talking about. What's NXT? <laughs> adorable. I'm adorable. NXT is the... Much better developmental league of WWE. Oh, it's become okay, its own I brand. Saw... It has its own shows now, and it's its own thing. It's the basically it's the minor leagues, and they'll eventually get called up to to the big show. Yeah, oh. but many people think that... it's better because it's pure, it's a purer thing. And yeah, mm, there's a reality show now with Cena and Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I well, get that's it. not that's a spinoff of the Total Divas. Yeah. Something about Brian and wife are having their house worked on or something, so they have to live down, live with Cena and his wife. Yeah. And well, I guess Cena has a lot of restrictions. It's like, yeah, it's like the outcome. Yeah. Cena is dating Nikki Bella. Not married, they're dating. And then Daniel Bryan is uh, married to Brie Bella. And so, yeah, there's some... I, I, I This this that, this previous reek of... Uh, of a... Uh, very put-upon setup situation, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't even... 
I would imagine I did, they spent like, two weeks together in that house and filmed all this stuff. Oh, that. sure, sure. I did like the new Cena commercial for the hefty bags with uh, my man, Rob Schneider. I have not seen it yet, so. It's awesome. It, but it's, um. But it, Cena it, goes it, over to the hefty, he's a hefty, hefty, hefty. And, and Schneider walks over and picks the wimpy, wimpy, wimpy bags, and it's funny. Oh, hopefully, he'll, uh, Rob Schneider will just stay away from saying something stupid. He'll be able to keep this advertising. Listen, you job. can do it. You can do it, David. Like, let's talk about some comics. Coats adorbs. Yeah, just wrestling stuff. Who wants to go first? You do. I do. Yeah, it's, it's, let's celebrate your your foray into the teaching world with, okay. with you teaching us something about comics. Well, I'm definitely going to teach you something in this uh, spot because I have in my hands it when it arrived, it ground my week to a halt. Because as does every issue of this zine, I love it. Will Pfeiffer loves it. I've put it on the Facebook. I've mentioned it here before, but you probably don't remember. It's Comet Bus. Love this scene by Aaron Comet Bus. This issue's number 57. Mm-hmm. Um, yet another iteration of the legendary zine. This time around, though, and this is why I'm mentioning it, because I don't always just mention Comet, Comet Bus. Um Aaron focuses on a chunk of the New York City comic scene before the city was turned into a corporate-owned sanitized playground for tourists. But not only cartoonists, but the people behind the scenes. you got publishers, editors, retailers, librarians as well. Uh, in the intro, it's its a very – if you've ever read Aaron Comet Bus's writing, mm-hmm. it's very unique, um, and he laments – over the fact that he has overlooked the medium of comics um, over the 35 years since he began publishing and writing the zine. And with this issue right here in my hands, he seeks to take steps to rectify that fact. Um, one of the things that kind of changed his tune was that over the years, he had seen creative people, um, writers and musicians, like come out real strong um, and then burn up. Or part ways Mm -hmm. and like ultimately stop what they do, stop the flow of the created stuff. Yet he notes that comics craftsmen, by and large, never seem to falter in the face of like creative or economic adversity. They they just keep plugging along year after year after year after year. Um, and Comet Bus 57 is chock full of interviews with the comic diehards. Now check out this list. Bring it. Gabriel Bell. Is interviewed and you know her from Lucky and the Voyeurs and other works. Robin Enrico, Jeffrey Lewis, who provided the issue's amazing wraparound cover. Uh, Julia Wirtz, Bill Cartopolis, some new guy called Gary Panther. I, I, I don't know. Um, Adrian Tomine is in here. Sick. He's, obs- he's obsessive, by the way. Uh, Ben Catchor, Paul Levitz. Huh. Drew Friedman, tore a real nature boy. Um, he of warts and all, old Jewish comedians, heroes of the comics. Karen Green, uh, De- uh, Gabe Fowler, you know, Gabe from Desert Island, Smoke Signal, Comic Arts Brooklyn. Uh, Kim Deitch, the underground legend, creative Waldo the Cat. And the last interview in the, the, the scene, Al Jaffe. Al frickin' Jaffe. Nice. 
And it's really, it's a, of the great interviews in this, in this, they're, they're all really good, but there are great ones. Gary Panther's really great, Paul Levitz, Kim Deitch, and Al Jaffe, because he starts off talking about being envious of Jack Kirby okay. and the great, and the great superhero artist. He's like, I'm a comedy artist. I can't do that. And when I see somebody like Kirby who can bring it and make you believe, he was a little jealous, right? So he talks about Harvey Kurtzman, Stan Lee. Um, I guess Al Jaffe worked on Patsy Walker for a while. I don't know. Okay. Um, and of course, but the thing that really got me, and it got me kind of choked up, he talks about his best friend, Will Elder. Oh, nice. Yeah, and he, he relates this, this really touching anecdote. I want me to read it for you. Please. He says, um, now, Will Elder is, is a depression baby. He didn't have much money coming up. His family didn't have much money. Right. Um, it wasn't a thing. They just, they found a way to exist. And it was hard. Um, he says, I, I remember going out with my closest buddy, Will Elder. Will Elder and I went to junior high school together. And then we went to the high school of music and art together. We hung out all the time. And one day, Willie says, let's take a walk. We thought maybe we'd walk down to a place where kids played stickball and one of us might be chosen for a game of stickball, something like that. As we were walking down, Willie dipped into his pocket and he pulled out a nickel. And he said, look here, look what I got. And I said, okay, what are you going to do with it? He said, I'm going to buy Pepsi. We went to a candy store and he bought a Pepsi and he asked for two glasses. That's an awesome story. That is an awesome friggin' story. That is awesome. No, it is. And it it goes on about... um, Will's association with Kurtzman and how Kurtzman just put the brakes on once, um, Playboy and, uh, and, uh, they, they started up the, the magazines at Playboy with the upscale. He said, uh, he, he compares Feldstein with Kurtzman and how each man had their different approaches to creating, like, like, uh, Feldstein could create quickly and well, but Harvey was a legend. Not to slight Feldstein, but Harvey was a legend, but he was very, very slow. So Feldstein would knock out 12 pages in the same time Harvey would do two. And Jaffe was like, dude, you just, you spent all that time on two pages. Look what, look what Al's doing. He's making like whatever times the, the money, six <laughs> uh, times the money as you are, you know, and, but Harvey wouldn't hear of it. He was a perfectionist. It's this issue. There's so many little anecdotes like that. Um, Panther is sick and tired of Pee Wee. Absolutely sick and tired of being, he said, on my epitaph, it's not gonna say first Gary Panther cartoonist or Gary, Fan- Gary Panther painter. It's gonna say Gary Panther designer Pee Wee's Playhouse. He's like, I'm done. I'm tired of hearing about the Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> but you know what? I find, I kind of find that, I mean, I'm not saying Gary's lying, but I kind of find that hard to believe where you are crucial a crucial element in this beloved show that instantly conjures up images of your work in the minds of people who hear it you say Wee's playhouse you think of the sets and cherry and like all the characters that, that designed and how could that be tiring after a while to to have your name associated with or you know uh, synonymous with greatness 
it 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 doesn't compute. Really? With me. I mean, see, I, I'll I'll just jump in and say I, I definitely understand where he's coming from, right? I mean, the guys, I think from I'm I'm imagining he's had like as you know what better than any of us because you're a massive fan. He's had an immense multi-decade career. Sure. And yet it, it would I would imagine that 99% of the people who know who Gary Panther is know him from Pee Wee. And that's got to be frustrating. It's like, a, you know, it's like a character actor who's done 50 movies but is remembered for playing some one-off character in a hit movie, right? And it's just they, yeah. they're walking in the middle of down the street and don't, no one says, oh, hey, I love you and call you by name. They call you by that movie character and it must get frustrating, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, he's so humble, though. I mean, he's asked, do you feel saddened by that association, meaning Pee-wee's Playhouse, or saddened by other things you've been part of? Mm -hmm. And Panther says, Pee-wee is going to be in my obituary. If I'm lucky enough to have an obituary, it'll be like Gary Panther designed Pee-wee's Playhouse, innovative television show from the 80s. So to me, it's an albatross. It's a nice albatross, but I've always been trying to be a painter. I have a gallery now. I have painting shows. Sorry. I sell paintings, but it's never going to be the first thing listed when you think of me. Mm-hmm. Cartoonist, illustrator, Pee-wee's Playhouse designer will always come first. And maybe that's just because I'm not making good enough paintings. <laughs> wow. Like, he's so freaking humble. And, and, and he doesn't, I don't think the Gary Panther greatness is, he hasn't realized it. Because the man is. He's a freaking legend. Whatever. Um, but the Paul Levitz interview's awesome as well. And it speaks to the man's integrity. He loves comics. Sure. He would never, he would never do anything. Well, we know that right, from yeah. his, his treatment of, of Watchmen. He, he would never do something just to make a buck. Even though he had to straddle that kind of thinking being in the driver's seat like he was for many years. Right. Um, he's, and he, now he's just like, I just want to, I just want to write. I just want to, I don't want to be in charge of things. I just want to, I just want to relax and write. And that's what we've seen for him. This issue of Comet Bus is amazing. Hundred pages, five dollars. Sounds good. What? No, it's great. You can get it from Atomic Books. You can get it from. Um, I mean, record stores sell this thing. It, it's just fantastic. Like I said, when it comes, everything stops. I must read it cover to cover. Well, here's a question on. for you. In a in a one of these days that arrives. Right along with previews, which gets read first. Comic bus. Ooh, it's strong. Big time. Yeah. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Because Aaron's so knowledgeable about punk and publishing and writing and huckstering. Now he's focusing on comics. It's all good. All of it. I mean, I would read him just to, he, the last issue was the, the New York City booksellers and their various idiosyncrasies. That, one would think that would kind of be boring after a while, but a hundred pages of that, I would read three hundred more. Mm-hmm. It just the just the way he he approaches the subjects and his honesty, I love it, love it. Total black and white, and there are there are illustrations of every subject in this, and they were done by um, portraits by Nate Powell. All nice. the portraits in this were done by Nate Powell. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a total comicspedia. Get it. That's, if that's even a word. It is now. Comic Palooza? How about that? Ordered. You'll get hooked. Already am. Right. <laughs> you, like, you don't like punk music, do you? Uh, that's incorrect. 
You do? I mean, I do, but in a but in the context of I don't profess to be a punk music expert by any stretch, but but yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much can't think of any well-known punk music that I've heard of the years I didn't like. Oh, like like the Blink One Eighty Two. Come on, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! I'm kidding. Getting all kidding. grimy up in here. <laughs> you know I love uh, you. <clears throat> but no, he he focuses on because he was a, a a kid on the streets and 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 writing and observing in in Southern California all of the those bands coming up and scenes it, it are very important to him. He, he views things as scenes, mm-hmm. like chunks of a collective of people speaking roughly the same language. And comics to him in this period is just another scene that he unfortunately overlooked for a number of years. And now he's he's correcting that. Sweet. Greatness. Whew. There you go. Someone's closing the door back there. Somebody's ringing the bell. <laughs> nice. Good reference. <sighs> what, what do we have? I want to hear what you guys read. Uh, so, I mentioned this a little bit last week. You know, been pretty hard on Kickstarter lately. Yeah. Um, and let me just say that uh, Ben Temple Smith should be ashamed of himself. But uh, totally. b- but that said, um, every now and then, Kickstarter can still do something right. And as I alluded to last week, I received the complete... Atomic Robo Library as part of a Kickstarter that uh, Clevenger and Wagner had had done to essentially create a hardcover, matching hardcovers of all of their works. And so I received all nine hardcovers of their work to date. And um, I'm a sucker for hardcovers, as you guys know, but also I had never read Atomic Robo in spite really? of being uh, a very well-regarded series for a good chunk of years. Well, see, that's a potentially expensive leap of faith. I'm thinking that probably cost you at least two bills. Uh, I don't think it was that much actually, but it was, it was, over, yeah, it was probably like 150 if I'm, I don't remember, to be honest. Hmm. Cause it was a while ago. I think it was at least a year ago that we did the campaign, but, um, you know, it, it is, I guess, but on the other hand, um, I have read the Atomic Robo free comic book day books over the years. So I knew what the character was about, and I dug it, and it just seemed like a really great package for a decent price, because I think these sure. hardcovers would be like 30 bucks a piece if you were to buy them. Um, but I read the first two volumes this week, which are titled Atomic Robo and the Fighting Scientists of Tesladyne. That's volume one, and Atomic Robo and the Dogs of War, volume two. So pretty simple concept, and I think that's really where the magic of this of this series is. Um, Atomic Robo is a humanoid-looking robot, a sentient AI robot uh, with big blue eyes. Looks a little bit like um, the Iron Giant, like the face looks like the Iron Giant a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, and the premise is that he was created in 1923 by our boy Nikola Tesla. And he's now an adventurer. Um, and it's very clear to me that Clevenger and Wegener are big fans of Mignola and Hellboy. So it's it's got the same kind of setup. You've got Atomic Robo at the center having adventures, lots of time hopping. Each, each arc takes place at a different time period because 
He's essentially immortal. Uh, and you're introduced slowly but surely to a ever-increasing supporting cast, and we learn more and more about his backstory and his interpersonal relationships. But ultimately, at its heart, and I think what's the, the wonderful thing about the series, and I can see why people have loved it all these years, it's just getting back to the basics of fun comics. You know, Vince, I was laughing as I was reading this because I thought, for all the shit that Vince has been giving me of late about Pulp, um, I don't know if you've read any Atomic Robo, but this is a very pulpy series. <laughs> I'm coming, Elizabeth. Right? I'm com- coming. Right? <laughs> right? Good for you. But it's a lot of fun. It, all grown's up. It all grown's, all grown's up. up. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it. this is not deep comics, right? This isn't Alan Moore. This isn't a Hickman three-year deep dive where all things loop in and intertwine and come out at the end. This is very basic action-adventure. Atomic Robo is a uh, upbeat, competent, look-on-the-brighter-side-of-life adventurer. He's, in a way, it's like... um Iron Giant and Indiana Jones had a love child, essentially. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. So, um, in the first arc, or the first volume, rather, it's, it's really an introduction. It's, it's a bunch of, of different, uh, moments from Robo's history. It jumps around decade by decade, and, uh, it's essentially just introducing us to the character and the types of stuff he gets into and his backstory. Um, and, and I, I guess what I'm guessing to be his arch nemesis over time, um, another scientist who uh, ingests or is implanted with some kind of, it looks like an alien heart and it, beque- it, be- it gives him immortality and he eventually becomes a, a brain inside of a, an automaton. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just guessing he's, he's going to be the main antagonist throughout the, throughout the series over the years. Uh, and then volume two, the dogs of war, as you might guess, given the name, it's set in world war two. Uh, there are Nazi super mechs, that are um, laying havoc to our forces. So they have to drop Robo into uh, Sicily, and he needs to defeat the mechs and help out the uh, the crew. And then simultaneously, Britain, Britain's top covert agent, the Sparrow, who's a, uh, a young woman, and uh, Robo team up on a train to try and... Uh, well, Sparrow's there to, to assassinate, and he's there to capture... Uh, a female evil genius named Dr. Vanadis Valkyrie, uh, who has a werewolf formula that she's perfecting to create super soldiers. So it's just, uh, it's just big, fun, pulpy comics. Um, I have to say one of the more appealing things from, uh, from an artistic appreciation standpoint is that these nine volumes encompass, uh, I want to say 12 years of comics. So wow. you can imagine how much Wegener's experience and, and aptitude as a cartoonist has changed over that time. So, um, full disclosure, I think the first volume is, is good, but it's, it's raw at times. It's, it's very basic and raw and I think a little two dimensional at times, a little flat, but you can see the promise. There's a lot of life to the, to the page. You can, you can see that there's a lot of energy in life. Um, but it's not, great cartooning it's good cartooning uh and then the second volume you can see significant improvement and although i haven't read them i did just out of curiosity leaf through the last few volumes and i mean he at this point is an incredible cartoonist so he's evolved it's it's neat it's going to be neat to read these volumes and and watch his progression in a much more 
compressed time for your frame, right? Because if you were reading this as many were as it's come out, you maybe are conscious of the fact he's improved as a cartoonist, but it's going to be a lot more gradual. Just like, you know, if, if, if I see every day, my kids grow a little bit, I don't, I don't notice as much, but when the grandmother right. comes and they see him, they're like shocked at how big they've gotten. Right. It's kind of like yeah. that, but it, uh, it gave you the opportunity to pull back and view the, the series as a whole. Yeah, it's exactly right. We don't, we don't usually get that opportunity. Yeah. And I have to say, um, I, I the, these guys did an incredible job with these hardcovers. Everyone, I mean, it's, you know, they're matching trade dresses. Each volume has a different color uh, inset, but everything else is the same. Um, they look, and they, by all accounts, if, if you were to see these, it, they look very much like uh, IDW hardcovers. Same kind mm. of quality, same kind of format. Um, the only difference is the bottom logo, instead of being IDW, is, the, is their own publishing house logo. Um, and, uh, I, I just can't recommend this enough. It's a lot of fun. And I don't know why I didn't read it as it was coming out over the years. It just was one of those things that never quite made the cut. And, uh, I guess I'm all the, I'm all the happier for that now because I get to experience it in this beautiful hardcover format. Um, I must admit, I don't know if these are for sale, uh, to the general public. Um, but they're the, the atomic dash robo. So, uh, www.atomic-robo.com is where you would find them if they are for sale. And I'm sure they'll be selling them at cons as well, and they will be at New York Comic Con. But, uh, yeah, man, two big thumbs up, and, and I'm going to keep reading these very quick reads. So there's a good chance that this will slot nicely into my 11 o'clockers for new to me, right? Cause, nice. uh, so we'll... Wow, that could be mine, too, because I have never read any of them. Oh, cool. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, much love. Cool. Mm-hmm. Now, were the, was the designer of the uh, trade dress the same as the creative team, or did they? Do you think they brought somebody? Honestly, I, I don't know. I, I uh, oh, I do know. Uh, no, book designed by Jeff Powell. Cool. So they brought they brought someone in. There you go. And from what I understand, they did recolor and re-letter uh, some portion of the early issues to match up, so that there's consistency. So I'm guessing the lettering back then when they were doing it on their own at first was probably a little bit less polished. So I don't know what it looked like in the original version, but it's tight and right in this version. I frown upon that. I know, I know, but but uh, look, it's not Neil Adams redrawing a head, all right? <laughs> I said that just for Dabs. For Dabs. I know you did. No, I'm with, I, I, I'm with you there, Vince, because it's the... Um, the same thing was done with the Killing Joke, so yeah, I'm I'm not just, but I I guess if if you're gonna go all out, if if it's their their property and and they want to do it tight and right, then uh, then yeah, I mean you know you can obviously they're they have the right to to tweak it and 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 to make it look you know it's. They just want it to look as as good as it can, with especially with that package. You're talking about all those right. art covers, so yeah, I, I can't I can't fault them there. But I mean, you know, to know as long as it's not passed off as oh yeah, it's, it looks just like it did originally, and and you know that's not the case. But yeah, well, that's the thing. It is theirs. They could do what they want with it. Damn, Skippy, Pippy. 
Yeah, that was the one thing on the what was the Twitter where I got I got slammed because I said, you know, D- DC's leaving money on the table with Watchmen. It, it, come on, let's 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 put this stuff to use. And it's like my integrity's on on the line. As soon as you say there's one sentence that starts the conversation, and everything after that sentence means nothing. Right. Watchmen is not a creator-owned property. That's true. Boom, you're done. You are finished. We're not talking about Walking Dead or Cerebus. We're talking about Watchmen. Alan Moore doesn't own it. Yes, it is regarded as the greatest series, uh, comic series of all time, okay, by a lot of people. But Alan Moore signed the contracts. He does not own it. So, therefore, nobody has a say in anything other than DC. So, stop with the whining. Don't Just don't buy it. That's exactly. all. Just don't buy it. Although I, I guess I could. Yes, he signed the contract, but considering what was, and I'll put it in quotes, promised at the time because of how things were at the time. Mm-hmm. And this is yours when it's out of print. <laughs> Nobody ever expected it to keep going. So, you know, well, yeah, you know, he signed the contract right. and hey, you know, it's, it's work for hire and, and, you know, you, that's, that's on him. But considering what else was going on, it, 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 there was no indication that anything was going to change with that piece of work. And, and no, and, and to be fair, they had no idea that it would remain in print. Right. The, the loophole to return the rights back to him was, was there. Or the trapdoor, whatever you want to call it. It was built in. It's not that they tried to swindle him. They, hey, when this goes out of print, it's all yours, brother. And he could have yeah, said, you know what? No, because I, I believe in this enough that it's going to have legs where it's going to keep going long after but my things children. didn't do that, though, back then. No. No. They, nothing they, did. Exactly. Trade paperbacks didn't exist. They didn't keep stuff right. in, in constant publication. So, again, so, I, I mean, I, see, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, and I don't, I guess we're turning this into a, in a I don't know more to me, but, I, I, I think that, um, I, I don't, I think both sides there had no reason at the time to, we have no reason to think that both sides weren't negotiating in good faith at that moment. Right. Uh, absolutely. Right. I agree. Right. Now you want to argue that at some point DC started realizing they had something and stuck it to him. I mean, well, okay. That's possible. But that being said, as we know, he's a proud man and almost probably too proud for his own good. So. And it's not like he hasn't had his little uh jab strong at at people he used to work with. And I mean, they they certainly offered him significant compensation for Watchmen that he turned down, right? Because it was on his terms, and hey, that's his right. But that paper be looking pretty good right now. In retrospect, that book built a career. That book and Swamp Thing built his career. Um, we think he's great, but he has subsisted on the, the inertia created by those books mm-hmm. for his entire career. I'll agree, sure. Yep. Absolutely. So in a, in, in, in a sense, he has made money from them, only by divergent means. It came out of left field, but still, right. it wouldn't have been there had Watchmen non existed. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I love, I love them both. Whatever. I don't want to see mommy and daddy fight. <laughs> yeah. 
Someone said yeah. that on our Facebook about what an episode or two ago. They hate when. Yeah. And I thought, wait, when were we, when were we fighting? Well, I mean, any kind of dialogue that's not that gets a little heated. It's it's you know they consider it fighting, but they they should know by now. You and I don't fight. The only ones that used to fight was me and Chris. <laughs> it's true. It is true. That's why I'm laughing. You're giggling. Dap and I and just I, be and, and even then, <laughs> you can fight with with your your brother or and and still love him, right? Yeah, for sure. I can anyway. I don't have a brother, but if I did, I would beat the shit out of him and, and then hug him. You got two brothers at least. I'm saying, That's right? Damn. <laughs> hard out here. Yeah. My two Sicilian brothers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what do you have? Oh, Tell man. Me. You know what? I, it it, it looked like a pretty good segue, way. but um we'll uh we'll table the, the Alan Moore stuff for the moment. This will give you some time to, to finish reading it. <laughs> to actually finish it. Fucker. <laughs> I, I tried. Christ, man. I swear. So, you know what? That's the, last, that's the last time I see you say, oh, I'm going to read that. And I'm, all right, I'm on it. And then I'm just, all right, whatever. I'm not going to tell I'll you. I'll get to it in six months then when you Here, finally. No, here's a plan. Here's a plan. The next time I tell you, hey, Dap, why don't you and I tag team on this? That will mean that I have already read it. Okay? What? So you have all, you should have all the confidence in the world that I'm going to follow through. If I don't bring it up, that means I haven't read it. Empty words. No. It, yeah. It's, okay. it was, it was a weird, it was a weird week because I tried to read, uh, I tried to read. I read a few things that were new, um, thinking that, okay, you know, let me, uh, let me, you know, cause we've, we've been doing a lot of talking about DC on the rebirth front. Uh, right. we, uh, I have none this week. We have none this week. Um, I don't have anything for this week, but I mean, I have things that I've read over the past couple of weeks that we just never discussed yet. Uh, haven't read a whole lot as far as Marvel goes. So I was just like, you know what? Let me see what's coming out, uh, from image or let me catch up on some things that have just been sitting around that I haven't finished yet. And, and, and I could talk about that. And there really isn't. It, I don't, I don't want this, I don't want this to become negative. I don't want this to, cause you, someone else could read this and think it's like some of the greatest shit out there. But, um, as far as some like quick hits, um, I tried. I like quick hits. First issue of Lake of Fire. Who did that? This is from Image and it's, uh, Nathan Fairbairn and, uh, Matt Smith on art. And I kind of had a feeling right off the bat. It wasn't going to be my cuppa because it takes place in France in the 13th century. It's France, 2012. 20, Damn French. 1220 AD. Surrender monkeys. Uh, with, with aliens, uh, uh aliens. Uh, oh, wait a minute now. Comes down and, and with the crusades and it, it's, but it's not, it's just between all the dialogue and, and the art is, the art's pretty solid for, um, for a good chunk of it, but I just, I wasn't feeling the stuff. I wasn't feeling the characters. I, I, I didn't care about these, these, these kids wandering the, the countryside looking for the king. I just, I didn't. So it's a first issue and it's, it's a good size first issue. It's like over 30, it's like 40 some pages, I think. So, uh, she'll dig it. Uh, I, from top cow, 
Oh boy. <laughs> which oh which boy has not had a good track record for me lately. I think the last thing no. I tried from them was Postal and I was like, okay, so that's a, that's a done in one. Yeah, it's it's yeah. been at least over a year since I Dude, I haven't read a Top Cow book in like five years. I think years. Artifacts was the last Top Cow book that I, I was say, yeah. enjoyed. Uh, since uh, Philip Sablik left, I haven't read a thing from him. It was, uh, um, but yeah, so this is a uh, mechanism. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> no. Lord of the Gordy. Oh, no. Uh, this is uh, completely done by Raphael uh, Ienso and, or Iencho, and it's, um, <laughs> The art is, oh, him. yeah, him, that guy. <laughs> the art's, the art's pretty good, but the, the it's, there's, uh, these, again, with the aliens, they're, they're these creatures, they're, they're, they're called geckos, the, the, the humans are referred to as geckos. Gabriel? They don't look anything like the Geico dude, it's just, um, they're, they're these, basically, the, the, there's really not much as far as facial features go, except for rather large mouths with sharp teeth, and, and they're humanoids, so they're, they're, um, they're not Strogoyish, but they're, they just, they kind of, they look like they have those movements. So, uh, like there are a couple of cops and, uh, there's an old man and a dog. So that kind of had me interested, but then it, it's just, and that's another thing where I was just like, I don't think I'm going to continue with this one. So it was, it was just, I, there were a lot things of swings that, and misses. Yeah. And then I went and, and, and as far as, um, going back to something that I had to finish, I finally finished the six issue Vertigo miniseries Slash and Burn, which first couple issues I loved. Andy Parks is inking it, Max Dunbar's on pencils. I oh, say no more, right? right? I mean, Andy Parks is doing something. I'm going to check it out. And, uh, and, oh. and this was one that I, who put yourself on fire? Sorry, there's a spider just dropped down from the freaking ceiling. Burn the house me. down. What the house. hell? Move out. I'm out. I, and now I, I don't see the corpse. So I don't know if I got him or not. He's crawling up your, it's going to go in your pee hole. Yeah. My pee hole. <laughs> Urethra Franklin. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I saw a movie with her once. She can sing like an angel. So Slash and Burn was, I, it, it, it's not like it was written by Mark Miller, but I, it, it started off strong. Whoa, and, whoa, and, whoa, whoa, and, whoa. And, because Let's Miller, Smurfs Miller, please. Put the brakes. Oh, home. come on! Because I've because you 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 didn't read Huck. Wait, I thought you guys liked Huck. We loved the beginning of Huck. It just ended poorly. But yeah, but right. I've been loving Miller. Everything else he's done, I've loved the last few years. Though the only thing I've loved from him in the last few years is is um, Starlight or the the Flash Gordon there. That was the. That's the only thing he read recently, he wrote recently that I really enjoyed from start to finish. Um, some guys gotta pull out. Empress, Empress is starting, but Empress is kind of like slow going and, and, and it's not, there's not much happening there. So it, it's, but is that the Marvel thing? Yeah. Iconic, but yeah. I, isn't that like seven issues? What do you mean it's slow going? The first issue is, is a pretty cool setup. And in the second issue, it's like we're just in a, a holding pattern and in the third it just it, it, it there should be some momentum and and when i got to the second issue i wasn't really feeling it it was like all of a sudden we're just it, 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 there's nothing propelling the story that, that i just i wanted right. to keep going and and he was fighting me every page so 
Well, uh, I got to give him Dap because he's got Jupiter Circle. He's got. Yeah, and I haven't read a lot of the Jupiter stuff, so I'll I'll get to that eventually. I haven't read any of it. I know. Well, shame he's on got, you. He's got Reborn coming out, so and that's. But I'm going to check that out, obviously, because of uh, Capullo and and, right. and Glapion. Jupiter's Legacy. Proper. Glapion's great. He's a, he's, a, he's a fucking beast. He yeah. is so good. Chrononauts propers. Yeah, I didn't finish that. MPH proper. Starlight loved it. Yeah, I enjoyed MPH. Starlight. I don't remember MPH. It's, okay. Um, didn't read Kickass three. Can't speak to that. Secret Service enjoyable. Nope. Didn't read it. Don't know what that is. Let's see here. Wow. Mark Miller, right? Not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mark Miller. Oh, who knew there was a Hit Girl series? Didn't know that. Yeah, I knew there was, but pass. Why pass? Uh, based on the source material. Gotcha. Hmm. Well, while you guys flounder, do you want me to bring the show up and, and talk about something? Yeah, so, else? Wait, so I'll talk about something he enjoyed. Uh, I, I enjoyed, um, thanks to Vince, I, I've been enjoying back issue number 91. Oh, yay. Uh, so good, right? Yeah, it, I, it, it starts off with, well, there's a little bit more of a downer than, um, when, Don't you say it. When we get to what the the whole, you're gonna you're gonna poop on my boy. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna poop on your boy's boy because it bums me out. And again, this is the whole you know going back to contracts and work for hire. And and you know these are these are characters you're working on. Um, Steve Englehart, Joe Staten, they breathe new life into the character of Guy Gardner, who nobody was doing anything with. The dude was 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 forgotten about in an afterthought. Um, but because they inserted a personality uh, that made people want to read more about this character, because they did not create Guy Gardner, they... They get nothing. They're, they're, there's no royalties there for for working on a character that that, that pre-exists. And see, I I take a real issue with that because there was a shell. Guy Gardner before this team mm-hmm. was was a shell. You could argue that it's not the same character. Mm-hmm. It isn't. No, it's the same it, name. And and I mean, and obviously the Guy Gardner that that Vince knows and loves his origins, his his he wouldn't be who he is. Without the handful of panels you saw he was in before then. Totally agree. But it is a completely different character and, and, you know, it's kind of, it's like Alan Moore's, Alan Moore Swamp Thing. The, the Swamp Thing Alan Moore created is not the same character that Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson created. You're right. But Alan Moore did not create Swamp Thing. So it's, it's, no. it's the, it's mm-hmm. that type of, uh, you know, you wish there'd be some sort of te- technicality or, or, or just a loophole where if you've, if you've done something to an existing character that extends its life or, or breathes new life into the character, uh, then you should see some sort of compensation. And it's not to say that they're not. That's not if if they didn't do anything with Guy Gardner, then there'd be no reason to have other Guy Gardner stories. And and maybe based on that, 
if their stories get reprinted, obviously they'll see something. Yeah. See, that's nuts because like Bob Kane and Bill Finger mm-hmm. are get well, their estates or whatever are get are making bank because Frank Miller writes a really good Batman. Nobody gives a crap about the Bob Kane, Bill Finger Batman. Very few people. Let's be honest, mm-hmm. right? Dark Knight Returns, bada bing. Yeah. That that is the Batman. And that's what drives the the legacy, I think. No, I agree with you. And and so the the issue. So it makes sense to create like Dick Man and hope Alan Moore writes him once. But that's and and again, the, I mean, we 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 have the argument from time to time where you know why would you create somebody for why would you create a character to to live in someone else's sandbox when you can go do your own thing and and a lot of times you know someone wants to and again you know we're talking about obviously a a character someone creates not somebody not a character who already existed and they're just tweaking but you know sometimes you just want to have that character live in that universe that uh and and live on past you but uh you're right you know then just make Make green asshole and, and there's your guy. <laughs> uh, oh, why do you, why do you hate guy? He's so misunderstood. Well, this was the, if you read back issue number nine, I read one, it. then you yeah. kind of get an idea as to why hate is a very strong word. Uh, but there was one point in this interview where, um, when they talk about Guy Gardner and his solo series and how many changes it's the book and the character has gone through. And it's like, you know, Guy Gardner is great. When he's with other Green Lanterns or when he's with the Justice League. Because right. you're not getting I, 22 pages of this arrogant prick. Right, he doesn't work on his own. There's no. just, there's yeah, I'm with that. too much. So, um, you know, it's like, it's like you're not going to read a Reggie story or, or, or a Reggie anthology. You just, I just, I like Reggie when he's mm-hmm. hanging out with Archie and everybody else. Uh, you won't want to get caught up on, uh, Afterlife with Archie. Yeah. I, so. But, any, but anyway, uh, I mean, how, much overlooked is Joe Staten. I don't think we've given, we have not given this man his due because there was a time and I know I can pick this out of David's brain because it's there. E-Man was the shit. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that was back in the Diz. E-Man was the awesome. In that, but there was just, I, I think my first first comics was my introduction to the character because I know that he was around before first yeah Um, but it was because of first comics that's kind of when I finally read stories I'm sure I knew the character based on amazing heroes and comics journal things like that but uh, yeah it was because of first comics where where I first started reading him but that was after I knew Joe from drawing Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, Millennium. Well, see, and, and that's as we, we can shit on Millennium all day because it, it I, I won't no, shit on it's, Millennium. It, it's the whole thing about, you know, No Man Escapes to Manhunter's Day. There was so much cool about Millennium, but the end of it with introducing the new guardians was kind of whack. And, mm. and, and some of the supporting characters that ended up being Manhunters made no goddamn sense. Dr. Jace with the Outsiders, or who who was it for Wally West? His dad? Uh, you just had these people who were just like, it made no sense for that character 
to right, be right. well no well they were they were shoehorning established series into this new paradigm and it didn't make sense for everyone to conform to this thing like like you said with with Wally that didn't make no. sense so it was so that that mars the series somewhat but i mean the the but what were they supposed to do create characters like Spur of the moment. And, oh, this person. Yeah. You don't know who he is, but he's there. Yeah. If it was, if, if they, said right. this, you know, a year from now, introduce some new characters. Yeah. And a year from right. now, something's going to happen. You're going to have to lose one of them. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, not just, oh, I'm going to pick this character, even though you it never showed any signs of, of being a double agent or, but it was, it, it was the, the Staten and Farmer or the, 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 the Gibson art on Millennium just, Farmer inked them on Green Green Lantern Corps, but um, I enjoyed. Gibson draws a lot like Staten. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was a good pairing. The uh, but sorry for interrupting you. It's okay. The uh, there was in in this interview when we're talking about Guy and and dealing with he comes back towards the end of uh, the Green Lantern series. Before it becomes Green Lantern Corps with, with number two hundred one, and then he uh, he shows up in Legends, becomes a founding member of the the Justice League, and the uh, and then they do the whole one punch thing and and changing his personality. But there are things where it just brought back. Some really cool memories of, uh, after, after Emerald Dawn 1 and 2, you had, uh, Gerald Jones. Gerald Jones wrote, uh, wrote the Green Lantern series, but there was, because there were three Green Lanterns of Earth, you had Pat Broderick draw the Hal Jordan series. Mark Bright drew the John Stewart stories. And uh, Joe was back to draw the Guy Gardner stuff. I enjoy Guy Gardner as a Green Lantern as much as I can enjoy Guy Gardner more than I do as a yellow ring wielding character. And definitely a lot more than Guy Gardner Warrior. Oh, that was bad. Oof, yeah, and not was. Michael yeah, Jackson. That was, that was, I mean, the Mitch Bird art was kind of funky. And I, you know, I love Bo Smith, but. Oh, yeah, I'm not talking about the art, no, the, the story. story yeah, as far as him being like, uh, the genetically, the, the, he's an alien, he's got the, and it was just like, why, why are we reaching just, I just, that, that killed me. But, um, but I think, yeah, I am not, yeah, Sky Gardner is not my favorite lantern, but I, there would probably, be something missing if he wasn't around. If he didn't exist, oh, wow. then, then I definitely, there would be, he, cause he is, you, when you have a group like the Green Lantern Corps, you have, you have Hal Jordan, who's, you know, the space cop dude by the rules and, and you can't, there's just, this is the way we got to do it. And then you have Jon Stewart and you need somebody like Guy to, to just, offset everything else because in a group like that Mm -hmm. you're going to have somebody with that mentality somebody with that mindset somebody who just who is a dick and and Mm -hmm. guy fits that role really well yeah he does it so well but the uh 
Aside from Guy Gardner in this issue, I, I was enjoying the, um, there was a, a pro to pro to pro to pro to pro because they, they talked to a bunch of, uh, they, the round table included, um, for J. Jonah Jameson <laughs> included Spider-Man writers over the years, uh, such as Kurt Busiek, Tom DeFalco, Jason's boy, Jerry Conway, my Roger boy. Stern. Come on. You, you can't have a pro to pro to pro on Spider-Man without Jerry Conway. I, dude, I said, it's my boy. Hey. Uh, Roger Stern, Marv Wolfman, and, and, uh, the one person who sort of kind of seemed to have a place here because he really didn't have any, I don't want to say he didn't have anything positive to say, but you definitely felt like when it got time to, for him to talk again is Tony Isabella, who I absolutely uh. enjoy because <laughs> I mean, the man co-created black lightning. I, I really like Tony Isabella, but they, they would ask him questions like, um, you know, how, how do you see the character of J Jonah Jameson? And everybody gives these really, uh, detailed and, Intricate answers and, and, and about, you know, the pros and cons and the dichotomy inside J. Jonah Jameson's head. And, and, you know, yes, he's a loving father and, and, and a devoted husband to Marla. And he, uh, you know, he really tries to do good because of his, his origins and, in, in, in newspapers and, mm-hmm. and he, the type of reporter he is. But yes, you know, Spider-Man's a menace. So he sometimes, you know, he gets a little arrogant. And then there's Tony Isabella. J. Jonah Jameson's a mess. Writers and editors keep shifting him from villain to comedy relief to crusading newsman with the problem being that his character has become chaotic and frankly uninteresting. I'm not sure he serves a legitimate purpose in the stories at this time. Whether his dad is married to Aunt May or not, I think JJJ is due for retirement. And then there was another one where, um, do you think that JJJ has a problem with superheroes in general or just Spider-Man in particular? Isabella, I honestly don't know. While he's certainly a great deal, he, while he certainly has a great deal of hatred for Spider-Man and has sometimes praised real heroes, he's also expressed disdain for all super, it's just, it's, it's like, Tony, could you just, I. Yeah. Unclench a little bit. Just, I feel, you know, anything else. Can't wait to see him at Artist Alley. (laughs) Anything else you wanted to do with JJJ that you never got the chance to. The Falco. Yeah, man, he's one of those characters that you're never done with. Conway. Not really. I was very privileged, at least during my first run. I was just able to run with whatever came into my head. If there was something I secretly wanted to do, I probably did it. He's he's still one of my favorite characters. Plus, how could he go back to the character when his head stuck up his ass? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, wait. Are Rob, we on the air? Did I say that on the air? So, so then Stern, Stern says... Stern says, what I had in mind was to have him do more with his previously established publications. Busiek was like, oh, plenty. Isabella, not really. He's one of those characters <laughs> who has worn out his welcome, so he doesn't interest me. I wouldn't want to kill him off because that kind of shock value death has also worn out its welcome with me. But his life would need a major change before I'd find him interesting enough to write about. Wow. Thanks for stopping by the round table, Tony. I'm- yeah, really. <laughs> He's like, uh, Thank- not really, but did I tell you how I created Black Lightning? <laughs> Thanks for the free hoagie. Like, so I'm glad I can. They didn't want, they didn't want to talk to, like, I believe they called a grinder around his way. Yes. <laughs> I see, I don't get that at all because to me, J, uh, JJ is a crucial 
ingredient in the Spider-Man recipe. Of course. Who's, yeah. No, you can't, it's, it's, he's not. He foments sympathy. Yeah. It's, and it's, you. And most of his attacks on Spider-Man stem from the fact of his guilt over his own actions. Or, or, or lamenting the fact that he hasn't done X. Sure, but, you're right. No, Spider-Man has, so he takes all that, that, those, those feelings and channels it into hatred for Spider- mm-hmm. Spider-Man never, ever warranted any of the feelings, JJ. I don't think, but I don't think Spidey, uh, helped much if, if he, you know, to get the last word or, or to, at, at Jonah's expense, you know, web his ass but, to his seat. Right, but he wouldn't have done that if, if he didn't right. know him. And if, if right, if 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 Peter Parker didn't know Jonah, but if he didn't, Spidey's not swinging by the window and doing it maliciously. There's it's it's more of a you know you dissed me, I'm dissing you back kind of thing, and which is fine. Right. And diss me and I diss you back. It's it's uh, <laughs> but you, as as. Come on, come on. As much as, on, as much as, uh, as much as you may want to shrug off, uh, oh, Jonah, you know, he's, he's just, he, he feels inadequate next to Spider-Man because Spider-Man's saving people and all he's, you know, and he, and, and Jonah can't. And, and even though his son John is supposed to be this, this hero, uh, Jonah did. We don't need another hero. Jonah did create this. Wow. He, 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 the spider (laughs) slayers. Not a whole lot. Wow. (laughs) It's a tough room. Um, it's a really tough room tonight, man. Damn. It's, it's, uh, you can't get here on time. So you have, okay, Arlen. (laughs) Freaking Arlen. Oh my God. Really tough room. It's, uh, it's, it's, (laughs) oh shit. But, Jonah has also put people in harm's way by the spider slayers and scorpion. And, you know, so it's, it's like, yeah, dude, okay. You know, you may not have meant to do that, but you, you, you kind of did. So yeah. All right. Let's boil it down. The Spider-Man recipe, right? Right. What are your crucial ingredients to this? But now Jason, I know it's a tough call with you because you know, you're not really invested in the Spider-Man. Yeah, but hold on a second though, dog. I mean. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying, I mean, I've read at least what, 200, 300. All right. No, that's good. So the crucial ingredients in this, I'm going to be brutally honest at the detriment to myself on this Mm -hmm. because it's going to counteract a lot of the shit I said before. But I think the crucial elements in the Spider-Man recipe are obviously Peter Parker. MJ. I have to agree. Nice. Not originally, though. Testify. When you look at the broad canvas, that big chunk of mythology that is Spider-Man, you cannot extract MJ without losing everything. That's right, son. Yep. But if you're going to go that way, you have to include Gwen because that was a turning point. Well, for all of the three minutes that she was alive. Oh my well, God! As if, because that was Vince's turning point was after Gwen's death, and Mary Jane all of a sudden becoming a character that mattered. Right. I was just saying yeah. I wasn't a stuck-up bitch, but yes, mattered. Wow. Right. 
Gwen's yeah. death is as important to the Spider-Man mythology as Uncle Ben. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no. Are you argue with you? I'm, I'm good. No, no, but okay, and you're right, and Aunt May. So you got, you oh, have. Gosh, to have the Aunt May. Triple J, Mary Jane, Gwen, Aunt May, and Peter. That's all you really need. Well, and another hero, but. Who? That is. I went back to the well with the same joke. <laughs> oh. Must have seen the bucket. Wow. This episode's fun. That's why it's Thursday nights from now. uh, (laughs) um, I've been talking for like six hours. Fucking sensitive when it's on a Wednesday. I know, right? Ah, we love it. We love you. So yeah, so uh, the 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 um, so on the flip side, the bright side of things, the 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 thing that picked me up uh, this week. Was uh, back in '91. What'd you think of Obnoxio the Clown? <clears throat> I didn't. I didn't finish it. I didn't get because I, I was jumping oh. around. Like I skipped over the um, the the the, the DC because I'm going to go back to it because I wanted to read some of the other stuff. But they they had the section after um uh they have a whole thing on a villain history, villain history on JJJ, which I um. One of my f- absolute favorite stories that involve Jonah is, uh, from Spectacular Spider-Man, which, mm-hmm. and, and Spidey is basically a background character in it, and, and it's where, um, it's called I Covered the Waterfront from, uh, number 80, number 80. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's just Spidey's in the background basically shadowing Jonah while, while he's, he's trying to uncover, um, get to the bottom of a story, and he kind of has to admit Towards the end of, of writing the article that, um, that he had help that, that Spider-Man did in fact, uh, aid him in having this story told. But before the story gets sent to the printer, when after, um, Jonah's typing it up and he walks away from his desk, Spidey takes the last page and, uh, gets rid of it. So this way Jonah doesn't have to admit something he doesn't want to admit. Um, but there was, there was a section on, was it, uh, yeah, some, some, some of the bullies and blowhards of the DC Bronze Age, which is cool because you got Bullock on here, but mm-hmm. you also have like, you know, Maxwell Lord. Yeah. And Morgan Edge, which I think, um, I've, I've read plenty of stories about him. So, um, I never liked Morgan Edge. No, I know that was yeah. the point, but yeah, yeah, I know, but there's a difference between not liking a character because you're not supposed to and just not liking a character because he makes you roll your eyes and you just don't right, want the character sucks, right. Yeah. right. You know what was rough for me was the Namor. Yeah, and that's, that's another one I, I kind of just skimmed over real quick. Um, the the cover, the Burns cover to Namor twenty infuriates me. But that's the one with Na- uh, Namor and, and Namor and Namorita. Yeah. <laughs> with the, with the light First of all, an ellipsis is three dots, not four. Yeah, and it's and it's that's true. It, yeah, it drives me. See. David has his Wolverine claws pet peeve. People no, he has dick with twenty-three foot claw pet peeve. Yeah, That's when dope. people dick with punctuation, it bothers me. An ellipsis is not four dots. No, it's not. And the, if you look on that cover, the 
smallest dot, they they increase in yeah, size. Yeah, what's the point of that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're surfacing. But the smallest dot is far too close to that to line. Light, for yeah. yeah, it's just, it bothers. That, uh, that cover has always bothered the hell out of me. It's a nice drawing by Byrne. I mean, par for the course, right? But I think the the additional elements with the text, it, it's horrible, mm-hmm. horrible. It just destroys it. Yeah. But anyway, I didn't want to put my dab hat on, but I had no, to. No, it's fine. It's fine. Nice. No, I mean, I whenever I um, you're the reason why I use commas as often as I do. Oh, um, isn't that nice? The uh, but yeah, they also talk about how to use them. Oh, you guys are giving me. It's like I mean, I'm, it's like I have PTSD right now because one of the things, one of the many things I do for football guys is uh, we do these weekly training camp reports where we we summarize everything that happened in training camp for the week, mm-hmm. and it's written by a host of different people. Different people write for different teams because it's a pretty big effort, and when it's all said and done, it's about a forty to forty-five page PDF. Um, so I edit it and it's been, the struggle is so real. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I actually sent a thing to the staff you know, last week. I kind of went on tilt and I said, <laughs> please, please find a thesaurus and, and think of alternative use uh, words for the word great. Oh man. I mean, it'll be like this player X had a great play. Player Y is so great, he's gonna have a great season. Oh no! Be like my dudes, like why was the play great? Was it a long catch? Was it an athletic leaping catch? Did he make the catch in traffic? My man. And I, I wrote, I, I wrote like a three-page email to everybody using examples, awesome. and I was like, and then of course I get the, this week's submissions, and it's the same again. <sighs> And the, the, and you guys would lose your mind with the punctuation. I had. To. I mean, like the quotes. The, instead of saying, because a lot of it is like taking pull quotes from articles, right, and referencing mm-hmm. them. So it'll. So instead of saying, Coach Smith said, comma, quotation mark quote, it'll say, beat writer so and so from the Hampton Times. Noted that the coach had this to say, colon. Oh my God! Stop! <laughs> it's like, stop! It's stop! Like, no, you don't need. You don't need to reference the beat writer. He's giving the beat writer. Colon. Oh no! The beat writer is giving you a quote. Just, just give the quote fucking from colon. the coach and fucking put a hyperlink to the beat writer so you know that you're. You know why they use the colon? Because they don't pull that out of their asses. <laughs> Sorry. Or another thing is like, the the passive, the passive just kills me. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, Joe Smith ran for 25 yards, it'll say, (laughs) uh, on eight carries, 25 yards were garnered by Joe Smith in the second preseason game against the Bears. And Uh. I'm like, my dude, you've already mentioned they played the Bears. Three other times at the start of the article. You don't have to remind us they're playing a preseason game against the Bears every time. It's implicit. They play one game a week. You could just say the game or on Saturday. 
like just like <laughs> that thing. That thing. Remember that thing we did? Where the like people make up words, dude. They <sighs> use great when they're supposed to use creative language, and then they'll say the fucking stupidest shit, like like uh, you know, uh, player X garnered seven passes. I'm like, no, 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 no. Player X caught seven receptions. We don't need to make up new syntax. That's what he did. That's what the people reading want to know. How many catches did he have? That's it. That's all I got to say. Boom. Yeah. It's so yeah. rough, dude. Struggle so real. Uh, I was up till two, dude, two in the morning uh, last night, did they? Uh, two uh, in the morning. Sorry. Well, before we move on, um, one of the things, uh, and it's just a little aside in one, in, in the back pages on, uh, Marvel's Haunt of Horror Digest. David, did you get that far? Uh, well, Haunt of Horror was a digest before it made the transi- transition, transition to the trans- transition to the black and white Marvel magazine. Um, and they tell you why okay. in back issue 91 that it only lasted two issues and it's all on Marvel. It had to do with the print run. They compared the print run to another. Marvel didn't know what to do with the digest format. Marvel, didn't have, how many digests have you seen out of Marvel? Mm-hmm. Besides, oh, I see. Okay, yeah, I see. Here it is. Um, Marvel scaled the print run to match analog, which was at the time the best-selling digest, science fiction digest. So Marvel thought, okay, this is how many copies they're printing of analog. We'll match it, and the returns from the newsstands were enormous, huge. That's why it only lasted two issues. But I have both of those. Nice. yeah, I have both of the Honor of War. They're, they're great too. There's some excellent Virgil Finlay art in there. Mm-hmm. And I know saying excellent in tandem with Virgil Finlay is an oxymoron, but it's a, the covers of those things are amazing. Oh. Yeah. Um, remind me when we're done to talk about an email that, uh, got sent out today at work. But the rest <laughs> of this back issue is, uh. See, you know, when you say stuff like that, it makes the people playing at home go, well, we're not going to hear it. Yeah, tough they just got done listening to us talk about. Are they here to talk hey, about uh, us play grammar Nazi, or are they? Do they want? No, remember we're a gift. <laughs> I nearly shit my pants. Like, a weekly gift. What? I love your brother, but my, my man, this herpes. It's the kind of gift oh, you don't shit. want. Wait, what? They said we were a weekly gift. Well, we are a weekly gift. Yeah, okay. I'm glad they think that way. I really am. You just called us herpes, dude. We're not herpes. But it's a virus. It never goes away. Slow your roll, son. uh, uh, So the rest of this issue, aside from J. Jonah Jameson and the Bullies and Blowers of the DC Bronze Age, you have um, Submariner, Flash Thompson, uh, Reggie Mantle, Obnoxio the Clown and the Heckler. Love the Heckler. Does, does, okay. Does Flash Thompson really? Flash was a jerk. He was in the Ditko Spider-Man. But over the years, Flash, I, I would argue Flash has been more non-jerk than jerk. Uh, yeah. More recently, but not, not when, uh. He's been a pretty big jerk. 
Yeah, I mean, okay, let's limit that to the bronze. Yeah, which is what the whole what, back issue. It, I mean, it ends the the um, they talk about the uh, let's see. She proposes to flash the spectacular Spider-Man 209 cover dated February 1994. So that's about when they, when oh, August 97. So they do kind of go late into the 90s in, in this flash history, but bef- up until that point, yeah, I mean, during, during the 80s and, and pretty much any time flash would show up, he, he wasn't, I mean, he, he was a bully at first, obviously, but he's, yeah, he may not have rubbed Peter's face in it all the time, but he's, yeah, he, he's got a lot of jerk-like qualities. We really got to do a reread of Marvel Team Up. Oh, I would love I, it. I, I would love that. Yes. Without a Same doubt. Here. There's a couple covers in here for those of you who can't see what my eyes are seeing. They reproduced the covers to Marvel Team Up 39, mm-hmm. which was Spider-Man and the Human Torch. And 40, Spider-Man and the Sons of the Tiger. And, God, Sal Basima. <gasps> oh. Yeah, I would love to reread Marvel Team Up. Let's do that. Can we do that? Okay. All right. Are y'all done? No. Yes. Hell no. Well, I got I mean, as far as this book, yes. Oh, oh, yeah. Back issue, sure, but. Do you have anything to talk about, Jason, before I get into this? Yes. I have some ducks. So my ass was completely disregarded. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Yes, yes. that ellipsis. What's that? Oh, Jesus Christ. What do you have? What is happening? No love tonight. I have no idea. Thank oh. you for joining us on this last episode. Oh, my goodness. Never. Oh, what do you have, Jason? It's like nothing oh, boy. Uh, I have a Marvel book to talk about. Oh, boy. Right. What is that? I read one, too. Cool. I don't think it's the same. No, not gonna talk. Um, I read the first trade of A Force. Ooh. Uh, I have to give huge props to to G Willow Wilson. You I have. Uh, what's that? You love this book. So this is the first. This is the post Secret Wars first volume. Yes. This is the, yes. Okay. This is the all new Marvel U version of A Force. Okay. Uh, the first arc is called Hypertime. Uh, and it spins out of Secret Wars and Avengers number zero. Writers G. Willow Wilson and Kelly Thompson, artist Jorge Molina. Uh, nice. I love Jorge Molina. Love him yeah, me- so much. Um, so the, in essence, uh, by the way, Dap, there's, there's a, just to win you over in this book, cause, cause apparently you haven't been giving it uh, a fair shake. In the opening, scene where we're being introduced to singularity again. Um, there's a situation where um, a, a cosmic entity manifests itself in front of uh, the Alpha Flight space station, which is where they're all hanging out. Captain Marvel runs that now. And they had just brought in a biologist to join the team. And the entity... Um, starts fucking with Captain Marvel, and it looks like he's hurting her. And they don't know what to do. So um, so they essentially say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We have this device. It's going to create this little mini wormhole. going to get rid of this being. Uh, and you, Doc, since you helped create the device, we're going to send you out of the airlock, 
in a spacesuit, you're going to detonate the device and then you're going to like fall to earth and land safely with this, uh, with this suit. And she's like, this is crazy. I'm a doctor, damn it. Not a, and I thought, oh, I love that. Yeah. It's like they wrote it for him. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but so for those that didn't read the secret war stuff, a force was a team of all female heroes, uh, that was part of battle world. It was led by Medusa. Um, and the, the story of, of the a force mini in secret wars was, uh, essentially these women were in charge of protecting the wall, which again was this thing in battle world that was created to separate all of the different, uh, parcels of world from each other. And they were the heroines of, uh, their, their metropolis, if you will. And, and they had to defend the wall and, uh, Miss America, uh, gets in trouble and essentially is banished and, and they kind of fight to get her back. So the team was, uh, Medusa, uh, Captain Marvel, She-Hulk, Nico, Minora from the Runaways, uh, Singularity, uh, who was this little girl, teenage, teenage-esque girl who was a cosmic, basically a universe, a sentient universe, um, Dazzler, and I think I may be forgetting somebody, but anyway, so in this, this is our world. This is, we're not, this is not our world. It's, it's the Marvel U, the main Marvel U mm-hmm. post secret wars and 99.999% of everybody don't remember battle world secret wars, but singularity does because uh, probably has something to do with the fact that she's a mini universe. So she manifests in the post uh, battle world into our universe. And she remembers, she remembers everything. She remembers being on that planet and having this sisterhood and, and having all these women be her great friends. Um, but they don't know who she is. So she manifests and, you know, w- wants to hug them and talk to them. And they're like, I don't know who you are. Um, but she's clear. Singularity is clearly tied into this, uh, m- this, this malicious entity that, that was attacking Captain Marvel, who they start calling antimatter. And he's, uh, Singularity is a, 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 a looks like in the universe. It's like you know blue and black with with kind of star skin, and antimatter is uh, a, a masculine figure with more alien features and is uh, like orange and red. So very much a juxtaposition against singularity. And for some reason, antimatter wants to subsume singularity because she causes him pain. Uh, Sounds dirty. Well, yeah, not so much, but. Um, but so singularity begins slowly, but surely going around, finding all of the women from a force, uh, to elicit their help. Um, and even though they don't know her and they don't really have a connection on our, or Marvel's earth, um, they're heroes. So they do all band together to fight, uh, antimatter. And by the end of the arc, uh, they have defeated antimatter and they're essentially a, a team. And, uh, I presume in the second arc we go from there, but, uh, yeah, I, I love it. And, and one of the main reasons is G. Willow Wilson. I think she's a wonderful, she's a wonderful writer when it comes to dialogue. Um, each character has its own voice. It's funny. Uh, it's snappy. It seems natural. And I think writing naturally is very, very hard. Um, I remember years ago listening to a podcast with Bendis and, you know, uh, however you feel about Bendis's recent work, he certainly is phenomenal throughout his career at writing dialogue. And he was talking about dialogue. And I remember him saying something to the effect that 
the trick to writing good dialogue in a comic is that it can't be written in the way that you would speak it. Because when someone reads something and processes it in their own mind, it sounds differently than if you were just saying it to them directly. And it's always stuck with me because I think that whether or not that's some a skill you can teach someone else, it does speak to maybe that there is something to why certain people are better at writing dialogue that is well-received by readers than others. And I really think Willow Wilson has the same power. I think her dialogue just stands out. It, 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 it makes the book. It's not just there for the sake of, of, of helping push the story along. It's, it's, it's a major component to the story and it adds depth to these characters in a way that, uh, makes you love them and, and want to see more of them. And I think that's what's gone on here. So, um, I love the book, man. And I love Molina's art. I think he's phenomenal. So, uh, two huge thumbs up. It's, it's not the best Avengers book on the stands. That would be the ultimates. But it's better than all the Avengers books right now. For sure. So, you gotta get up on this. I will get up on this. I think I'm gonna have to. Cause you've been right lately. Oh, nice. <laughs> Look at that. Since you finally throw me a bone. It's been a long eight years. No, you were right about the Harley. So, yeah. I'm guessing you're right about this as well. Nice. So he'll read it in uh, 2018. No, I, I, I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> All right. What you got, I got some ducks. Oh, Don Rosa? <laughs> exactly. Nice. Now, you need to learn a little bit of history, Carl Barks history, before I talk about this story. Uh, April 1949, Carl Barks drew what he considered and many of his fans considered his finest moment. And that was published in Four Color Comics number 223, the story's called Lost in the Andes. It's a great story, right? Um, Fanographics has reprinted it in the, uh, the Don Luck Library. Um, gist of it is Donald and the nephews go to the Peruvian Andes because they found these square rocks in Duckburg, which didn't turn out to be rocks at all. They were eggs. And they thought, what kind of a creature could lay a square egg? Why a square chicken? Mm-hmm. And, uh, legend has it that the, well, there, there were rumors that the, the eggs originated from this, this mythical kingdom buried somewhere in the, in the Andes, um, called, um, well, I won't, I won't give that away yet. Um, so Donald and the nephews, go to the Andes because they're explorers, right? And they eventually find this mist-shrouded plain awful. That's Carl Barks for you. The place is called Plain Awful. It was, it was named by an explorer slash professor called Rut Betla. And he said, everything in the uh, Plain Awful, everything in this area is square. It's actually a crime to bring anything circular the natives can, the natives consider it a travesty that anything circular enters their kingdom. Um, but they're simple people. And, and Rut Betla was a southern man. And so the, the natives adopted his, his ways, his, his speech patterns, his, his demeanor, just everything about him. The natives copied it. So, uh, long story short, when they left, 
Donald and the nephews brought back two roosters to Duckburg. So, um, Karl Barks retired in the mid sixties after having created like 500 short and long form stories featuring the ducks, mm-hmm. right? So he's looking for something to fill the void. In the early seventies, he began doing oil paintings of the ducks, which became very, very successful. 81, another rainbow, a publishing company we all know, of, of which Gladstone was but a division, was created as a means to publish Barks paintings in monograph form and as fine art lithographs, etc. So in 1988, Barks sent another rainbow, a Polaroid of a work in progress. It was a painting depicting the ducks, but this time with Uncle Scrooge in tow because Scrooge sold lithographs. Um, returning to a very familiar location to duck fans, the Plain Awful. Uh, and he titled the painting Return to Plain Awful. So smart people at another rainbow, Russ Cochran, not the least of which, um, they wanted to strike why the iron is hot. So Gladstone commissioned Don Rosa, the number two duck man. I think that's safe to say. Carl Barks is number yeah. one. Don Rosa is number two. Mm-hmm. They commissioned Don Rosa to write and draw a sequel to the plane, to the Lost in the Andes story, which he titled Return to Plain Awful, the same as the lithograph. So I have read, thanks to Flippadippa, um, I had this issue and I sold it like a dumbass. Um, Walt Disney's Donald Duck Adventures number 12, published by Gladstone in, uh, May 1989, and it is Return to Plain Awful by Don Rosa. And it is amazing. 28-page story. And that doesn't end the issue. There's 10 other pages by Barks. There's some um, Van Horn stuff in here. But anyway, plain awful. Um, the, the the roosters that the the boys bought, brought back to Duckburg are not doing too well. They're suffering because they want to go home. They're physically – it's that psychosomatic thing. They're, they're miserable. They're sad. So they're, they're physical. They start to, to become ill. So the boys are like, we gotta bring these ducks, these, yeah, ducks, these roosters back to plain awful. How are we gonna do it? Well, let's, let's ask Uncle Scrooge to sponsor a junior woodchuck trip back to plain awful. Now Scrooge is not gonna do it. Screw you. You discovered this place. You knew that the eggs produced by these square roosters were the most vitamin rich eggs in all of creation and the easiest eggs to stack. And yet, See, what the boys did was they said, hands off, because these are very simple people. We don't want to, ex- we don't want to exploit them. We don't want to culturally shock them. Leave them alone. So they came back to Duckburg. Now Scrooge is like, you had your chance, bitches, and you didn't want to do it. So why should I sponsor this trip? But Scrooge has it that, um, the natives, once he confronts them with a billion dollars, will eventually give him the export rights to the square eggs. And this is where the the brilliance of Don Rosa comes in. In the very first panel, the boys are bringing the roosters up to the money bin, and Donald Duck is sucking on an ice cream soda. And he only does it for one, two, three, four, four panels, yet the ice cream soda 
is a crucial element in the outcome of the story, right? And then Donald says something to to Uncle Scrooge like, um, you know, you know, sponsor this this trip, blah blah blah, and Scrooge won't have it, and Scrooge go, goes into his his soliloquy that he always launches into. They don't know how the glories of success. Look at me. I made my fortune being tougher than the toughies, smarter than the smarties. And Donald says, yeah, yeah, yeah. We heard it a million times before. You made it square. Blah, blah, blah. But that dialogue plays into the ending of this story. And it pl- and it comes on page two. Like Rosa had this story planned to the teeth. He knew Everything he was going to do, and it's it's an amazing story. Like they go back to duck to uh, plain awful and try and convince the natives to, you know, um, that Scrooge wants to buy the the rights to the the uh, square eggs. And while they're doing that, the world's second richest duck, Flintheart Glomgold, mm-hmm. gets wind of it, deduces that F- Scrooge is such a friggin' miser. The only way he would finance a trip to Peru is if he had something in Peru that he could fly to on the company dime. And he, that's exactly what Scrooge did. But the, uh, Scrooge, being the proud owner of his number one dime, decides to show it off to the denizens of Plain Awful. And because the number one dime is circular, what happens? Scrooge is thrown in the pokey. And ostracized for bringing something circular into Plain Awful. It's just an amazing, and the, the, the denizens of Plain Awful are squarish. Their noses are square. Their clothes, like if they wear a shirt, it culminates in a square sleeve. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. But, and, and you think something so simple as, as it, it was, it was Bark's infatuation with geography. And history and playing off something he heard as a child about square eggs that led to the famous Lost in the Andes story, which is beloved by a lot of people. It's a really great story. And I can't do justice to it by just talking about it. And then the ducks do this and then the ducks do that mm-hmm. and then the ducks do it's, it's, it's an adventure. Bark sucked you in to this, to, to his world where he, he created a mythology for not only the ducks, but this whole world in which the ducks live, right? And then, however many years later, do the math, 1949 to 1988, Don Rosa creates a sequel in honor of Barks that is every bit as compelling as the original. I love Carl Barks, but there's something about Don Rosa's shading it's it's mainstream, but it has an underground edge to it. Like he used to love to do um, a lot of line work that Barks didn't do. Bark Barks would let the contour line um, carry the image, where Rosa would go in and actually start noodling. But when Rosa noodled, it gave a three dimensional dimensional dimensionality. I am such mm-hmm. a such an easy drunk dimensionality to the work where it's it's the same thing but it's different like if it, it, it's entirely it jibes entirely well with bark's work but it's totally different and yet it's this like it's it's hard to put this into words where you have two very very different very distinct drawing styles but they work so well together mm-hmm. 
I mean, if you want to read this, Fanographics has since re- – you don't have to search down the Gladstone issue. Fanographics has since reprinted this story in the, the Don Rosa Library. But it is an ab- – and the, in the center spread of this, they gave you a color spread of Don, of Karl Barks' Return to Plain Awful painting. So this is like a little time capsule. That's one thing about Gladstone. They weren't shy about documenting what was going on here. There's a text piece on the uh, fate on the one on the one side of the uh, the center spread where they tell you exactly this is when Carl Barks did this. This is why we contacted Don Rosa. This is you know mm-hmm. reasons for everything, and they set it in a time period, and they give you perspective into the work like that. This is invaluable to understanding Barks and Rosa. It's just, this is a fantastic, phenomenal issue. It is a legendary story that's a sequel to a legendary story. Mm-hmm. That's, there's a way, the only way I can put it. Um, you know, superhero readers who haven't tried Carl Barks and Don Rosa, just for this, the fact that it's, it's funny animal comics, right? Mm-hmm. That don't look down on these things because these are some of the finest sequential art you will ever encounter. Oh, for sure. Yeah, bar none. And the fact that they're just talking ducks, big deal. I mean, if you can, you can glom onto a talking tree and a raccoon, a talking duck is not too far. I mean, it's, it's, I think outlandish. A talking tree is more outlandish than a talking duck, right? So this is my challenge. If you haven't read Carl Barks or Don Rosa, do so. Cause and you're going to hate me because I'm going to cost you a lot of money because there's a lot of archival editions of these men's wo- the men's work that are very valuable and very worthy inclusions into your library. Do it. Uh, Donald Duck Adventures number 12, Carl Barks and Don Rosa. Does It doesn't get too much better. Nice. Right? Awesome. I agree. Yeah. I could subsist. I mean, I, I wouldn't. But if I had to. I could subsist on Carl Barks and on Rosa mm-hmm. exclusively if, if need be, because their, 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 um, back catalog is so rich and so varied. Like it's just amazing. And then when you consider, um, Rosa's stuff, like with the Pert Willoughby papers, oh my God, he's amazing. And yes, I'm done. Quack, quack. Quack, quack. Wow. So smart. These guys are geniuses. They, and it's not a case of they don't get the recognition they deserve. They very much do. Barkson and Rosa are both regarded as some of the, the medium's finest craftsmen ever. So there you go. Do we have anything else before we bring this home? Anything, my man? Corbin. Corbin, 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 my man. (laughs) <laughs> David and I are always on the same freaking page. Come on, my man. Come on. <laughs> uh, Ruby Rosa. Uh, they, uh, no. Is anybody? I. No, I don't. Wow. I'm, no, I'm gonna. Uh, no, because no, I don't want to. No, you gotta go there, dog. Because this episode is just gonna be like, wow, bitch, much. Has, has anybody? Uh, no, that's okay. That's okay. Because no, I, I wanna. I want to give it a um I want to give it a fair shake because I know 
I, I have friends who are enjoying the series, but is, have you guys read any of the, um, uh, Rich Tommaso's She-Wolf? It looks really good no, though. I, have not. I haven't read it yet, but it looks very well done. It is. It, it's, it's a crazy cartoony style. I do dig it. it it's a bit wordy and, and wordy in some places. Um, I kind of enjoyed the first issue, the second issue, uh, not so much because of an introduction of another character and, um, and there's a lot on each page and, and, and the color is, is pretty good. The, the art's funky as hell. Uh, I'm just, I think the characters are just not grabbing me enough. Hmm. Mm. See, when you say Rich Tommaso, you already have won me over, right? I love the art. I mean, how many, I've talked about Horror of Collier County before, right? It's a great book. I, I love Rich Tommaso's work. But now you got me on a little bit of a downer. I'm just going to read it. You should. I'm just going to read it. Go for it. Because, let's be honest, more often than not, we're on the same page, but there are sometimes we veer wildly away from each other. It's true. It ain't pretty. Yeah, like your love for Guy Gardner. I do love Guy. Yeah, I know. I know you love guys. I mean, Guy that, that that guy and Ice relationship. I love yes, that. I, know. I and love she it. She was so like, "No, that's it. That's who you really are. You're really that." No, no, no I'm not, bitch. <laughs> this is who I Damn. am. Like, yeah, no, he's the Cinderella moment. Don't know what you got to <sighs> The fact that a man that looks like him could score a woman that looks like ice right there he should have been whatever whatever you want i'll do it i'll be i'll, I'll be cool but no he had to be guy gardner yeah, yeah. and happy me don't make sense but i will check out she wolf yeah you might look great oh that's it if you at home would like any of the things we talked about this week, there's only one place to get them. Just one. Just one. Seriously. Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. I'm going over this list one last time. DC, Young Animal, The Bundle. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number one. Shade the Changing Girl, number one. Doom Patrol, number two, $5.97. Conan Omnibus from Dark Horse. Birth of a Legend, volume one, 472 pages, for twelve dollars and forty nine cents, I challenge you. Find it less. You won't. You won't. No way. Image, uh, reborn number one. Papi Capullo and Mark Miller. Hi. Brand brand new series. Get in on the ground floor because you know the price of the first issue is only going to go up once it's optioned. One dollar ninety nine cents. In your travels, I was actually surprised during a recent trip to Books a Million. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you why. Tell us. How many times have we seen where various and sundry companies try to relaunch a beloved comic and or comic magazine and it never ever recaptures the feeling? All of the, the time. Mm, yeah. All the time. Yep. Right? Famous monsters? Horrible. A pale imitation of the original. Even Dark Horse with Creepy and Eerie. Every once in a while they would hit the mark, but by and large, it was only creepy and eerie in name, right? Mm-hmm. Vampirella, f- from Harris all the way up to Dynamite, nowhere near 
the heights of the originals, right? Right. When you do manage to, f- to hit the mark, it's very fleeting. It's tough to recapture the past, especially when the bulk of the creators associated with these things we've loved have long since passed on. Mm-hmm. I encountered something at Books a Million that is a Wayback Machine. Okay. That comes, I have to say, the closest to recapturing the original magazine than any of those things I mentioned. Okay. It is from Picturesque Publishing. Cartoons is back. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Cartoons being car as in automotive. Right. Tunes. I used to love this magazine as a kid, um, primarily for Unk and Them Varmints by... Um, Mike Aaron's and uh the writer was I believe Link. The varmints were cool. Unk was, they were always pissing off Unk and it, it was just a cool strip. I have to admit a lot of I'm not a car guy. So a lot of the things talked about in the in the strips were lost on me. Mhm. Old bars and carburetors and timing and all that. I mean I know I don't know any of that, right? But the original cartoons got me because of the art. And and some of the folks that worked on cartoons originally, like Alex Toth, Alex Nino, Russ Manning, Robert Williams, William Stout. You had guys like Fred Boatman and George Trossley. No, George Trossley, Joe Borer, Bob Harden. Um, very, it's a very specialized form of cartooning where the you know you, you the the figures, uh, human beings more often than not took a back seat. To the actual cars. I mean, the magazine is called Cartoons. So primarily, if I was the art director, I would make sure that this person could render accurately automotive things, cars, engines, all that shit, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm walking around in Books a Million looking at the art magazines. There was really nothing. Uh, so I always look at the, the car magazines for some reason. I love custom car culture. And lo and behold, Cartoons is back. Issue number four of Cartoons. And they managed to bring back... These guys got to be up in age by now. They brought back some of the original artists that worked on the magazine way back when. Fred Boatman is back. Joe Borer. Bob Harden. George Trossley. And I'm looking through it and it's crazy how close... This comes to the original cartoons. And there are some surprises along the way because there's a dude in this issue called Jeff Slemons. He does the strip called A Day at the Nationals. And it's, it's spread throughout the magazine. Like they'll give him two pages up front, two pages in the middle, two pages in the back. This guy's art is incredible. It's, it's a strip set in the sixties. A man at the, uh, the National Drag Racing Championships. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's a newscaster and he's talking about it. There's a, a, a single page spread. It's a landscape format of the guy talking to the viewer. And he's like, you know, you heard it, readers. Anybody who's got something special to push, pull, or drag here to the Nationals will most certainly give their all to get back out there on the way, raceway. And the cars behind him, all of the wacky races cars, the Michelin man is in there, Chitty Chitty <laughs> Bang Bang's in there. The Jolly Green Giant, um, the, the, the creepy coop is there, um, King Kong is trudging across. 
this guy's incredible. I'm going to put this up on the Facebook. I'm going to have to scan it tonight, but I'll do this for you because I love you. Um, it's just amazing. And the magazine is only five ninety nine. It's all black and white, except for the center spread, which is a poster of the cover. But uh, there's an, also an, an edition you can buy that includes an iron-on T-shirt transfer of the cover. Like, come on. This is in the zone. Picturesque Publishing, Cartoons Number 4. If you're at, like, Barnes & Nobles or Books A Million and, you know, you have history with Cartoons Magazine, check it out. It's it's really fun. And it it there is a way to go back. It, it happens once in a while. This is one of those instances. I love that. It. True nostalgia. Yeah. So hard to pull off these days, right? It's true. It is true. Cool. Yeah. Now, David's going to take issue with some of the lettering because they let... Now, I'm not being facetious. I'm not hitting on David. They let the creators do their own lettering per strip. Like, they don't send it to one letterer Mm -hmm. and have him letter the whole thing. So the lettering varies. Some of the lettering is wicked wide on some some of the the fonts they use are just crap and then you get the guys that hand letter it so there's a balance so if you if you have, if you have a, a wide berth in the the kind of lettering you you will accept in a comic you'll be okay if you're finicky you may not like it because it's all over the place in terms of lettering I'm just being honest be honest Yep. That's how I, uh, that's how I remember it way back when. I, I would, Which buy, is right. I would buy the issues when I was in, um, junior high from the stationery <laughs> store. That was, that was great. Really? That's a little rumble. <laughs> <clears throat> the, um, and, and it, Did you understand it? Uh, no, like you, I, I knew, I mean, my, my uncle worked, um, in the garage at, at, at a car dealer. I mean, I've been around. I, I don't know how to build an engine. I don't know how. I don't know as much as I'd, I'd like to know about cars. So, no, there were a lot of things like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know what a gear shift is. But, I mean, there are just some things. Oh, there's, there's ample homage paid to Big Daddy Roth. Of course. Issue. Yes. Why wouldn't right. you? Yeah. I remember the first cartoons I bought had the snake and the mongoose cover and I had no idea what these things were or that the fact that one of these drag racers was called the snake and one was called the mongoose. I had no idea. The cover was so freaking cool. I had to buy it. I still have it. Aww. Yeah. That's awesome. There you go. Yep. Um, sort of kind of two things for in your travels real quick. Um, <laughs> One is because the sale ends tomorrow on Comixology. They only have, uh, the first 18 issues plus the, uh, the origin issue of, um, Die Die. But Michelle Fifay's Cobra is on sale for 99 cents an issue. Sweet. And I, I, um, and this is, I, I can't technically say right I double dipped because I don't own physical copy. I read, oh. I read, I read my friend's, um, compendium, the first volume. So, uh. Who's your friend? I think it was either Mario or Jason. It was Jason. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. 
because I think Mario's got the same mm-hmm. issues. So the, uh, um, so now I have them on my, at least the first 18 issues. But yes, this is something that, that you, you should be reading. This is, this is the reason why we, we enjoy comic books. This is, Hell this yeah. is a creator owned, and, and if you enjoyed the Suicide Squad movie, you'll probably get a kick out of this book. Yeah. So definitely. We don't talk about Cobra enough. No, we don't. We don't. And, and now that you write about that. So, so, uh, right. we probably will as I get through these issues. Um, but in your travels also, since the series is, or at least the first season, I don't know if it's continuing after the 12th issue, uh, something else I need to catch up on, which I know will not let me down like some of the other things have recently, but, oh, no. uh, oh, no. <laughs> are, um, the, the, uh, the creator owned, uh, from Mr.'s, um, Tom King and, uh, Mitch Jarrett's The Sheriff of Babylon. Mm. Yeah. So catch up on a series. couple of things. Yeah. It's another book we haven't talked about enough. No, and I was, I, and that's the thing, I was, I was waiting, right? I, I have, I, I read like the first act. So, and then I was like, all right, I'll talk, but no, but every time I go to talk about it, the next issue is in the box. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. then I'll just, I'll wait for It's in the box. It's in the box. So it's, there's, yeah, I just, Order number eleven with DCBS, and and I have the first nine. So yeah, we will we will talk about that when it wraps up. Dope. Well, I'm not going to recommend a book this week for your travels because I, what? No, I got something else for people to do. See <sighs> suicide squad. No, no. Oh. Today is a Unlike glorious him, day. What is it? Today is the day that New York Comic Con released. It's Artist Alley List. (laughs) (laughs) Woot. Woot indeed, Vince. Woot indeed. Nice. Why don't you tell me some of the people that's going to be there? Oh, there's going to be lots of people there. You want to hear about some of the people? Yeah. All right, let's see. Uh, I'm I'm trying to hit some people that are going to get you excited, get get your engorged and tingling. Um, uh, Buster Moody? I'm going from the reverse order, so hold on a second. Okay. Uh, Tony Fleece. Yay! Tom Rainey. Oh. Mr. Fowler. Yes. I know you're excited about this. Terry Moore. Hell yes. <laughs> All over that. All right, good. Um, it's always good to see him. For sure. Come on. Mr. Scott Wegener and Brian Clevenger of Atomic Rebel fame. Excellent. Our boy Sanford Green, of course. Hey. Shout- How about Dan Panoshin? Yes, he will be there. Yes! Uh, shout out to Ryan Otley, who it was just announced they will be ending Invincible. Yeah. After this arc. Thank God. Oh, okay, then. Man, haters gotta hate. Congratulations to them on an amazingly well-executed and well-run series. Uh, Russ Braun, who was the man last year, stoked his Yes, he was. The man. Um, Rice Boy. Ooh. Don't know who that is, but. I'm gonna throw that there. Uh, Raphael Albuquerque making his triumphant return after three years. Wow, really? Just, wait a minute, really? Mm-hmm. I thought we didn't see him last year? Nah, dude. Nah, wow. Nah, son. Mr. Paul Mounts will be there, which is great because he's had some serious health issues and has missed a bunch of cons, so it's great that he's back on the scene. A guy I'm really looking forward to meeting, 
uh, one of Scotty's best friends and an incredibly talented artist in his own right, Mr. Jake Parker. Yes. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, how about Jim Mafood? Uh, you're just, you're gonna insist on me going and jumping around the list, aren't you? It's what I do. It's what I do. Jim, yes, he will be there. Yes! Very happy for you on that. Uh, let's see here. Ganja Man, classic. <laughs> uh, no, it was Marijuana, marijuana Man. man yeah. 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 I actually elevated it <laughs> a little bit. Mom, gotcha. Mom Man, Mateo Scalera, of course. Excellent. He's always there. Yeah, he is yeah he's a fixture. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mahmoud, of course. Yeah. Uh, I may consider a Mahmoud. You need condition. to. You need yeah. to. There's only one thing I would get from him. Vamp. Nope. What? Oh shit! I never even thought of uh, that. Uh. <laughs> I would get a Diana. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Thought you hated Wonder Woman. I don't hate Wonder Woman. <laughs> Why did you even think that? Just thought it was the truth. Oh yeah, because I'm misogynist. Totally. Former have- guest of the show, Kari Randolph. Sweet. Uh, I'm skipping. There are over 400 people on this list, so I'm just skipping around. Um, Juan Doe. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Ooh, John Paul Leone. Nice. Ooh. Hey, now. Jonathan, wow. Jonathan Glapian. Yes. Yeah. Is this John Paul Leone's? He hasn't been there in a while. He was here last year, I think. Was he? Because... um yeah, I think he was over on the other side because okay. Mitch and Tom were sitting next to each other because that's what we were talking oh, about, yeah. Sheriff. And I think John was on the other side of the room. All right, all right. Joe Staten. Always. Excellent. Mr. Jimmy Chung. Nice. You know I got to have that art. You know I have the further adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix bound, right? I did forgot not. that. I'm going to have to bring that to for JPL to sign. You might have to. Speaking of ducks, Mr. James Silvani will be there. Sweet. Artist of Darkwing Duck. Uh, Jay Gonzo will be there. Yes, he will be. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds like a good time Giselle already. Lagasse. Yes. Oh, no. No. Are you serious? Yeah, he told you. He told you. Oh, my. You didn't tell yes, me. I did. Yes, on the did. Slack. I said she's going I'm to reserving. Be I'm reserving a hug right now. Oh, yeah. Right now. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. No way. Yeah, dude. Shit. Uh, another recent guest in our bois, Mr. You Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah. Yay. DWJ. A man who we once had an entire month for, Mr. Fred Van Lenty. <laughs> never on the show. <laughs> he did have an entire month. Yeah, we've never had him on. Cause he's awesome. <sighs> Let's see who else. Uh, right now, we, we gotta get Giselle to do an intro. Oh, uh, I mean, sure, but, dude. We gotta get her on the show. Yes, exactly. You know? I'll play that you shit. You know who's going to every... be there, Vince? Who? Dave Dwanch. Oh, nice. Action Lab. Yeah, crazy, right? I haven't seen him in years since, like, Super Action. Show. Back in the day. Uh, Dan Parent, your boy from your comic He's shop. Amazing. He's Phenosian, amazing. Phenosian, for sure. Yep. Let's see. Any other biggies here? Really love Dan stuff. You do, right? Uh, let's see. They got Panosian to draw action or Superman. I mean, I don't have complaints now. Right. But I would have zero 
completely. I would be pushing the hell out of that book. Oh, for sure. Uh, Mr. Adam Hughes will be there, which I know is always gets people excited. Mm. Doesn't do much for me per se, but no, no, same. He's good at what he does. I mean, it would if I could get art from the dude. And See, I don't, and Art Adams would be there, but I'm I'm kind of like Art Adams is my new Jimmy Chung. For years, you know, I'd like get all excited and then I wouldn't get anything from him. It's kind of that's until I realized I could get his art at the time with Art Adams. I I have never met Art. Yeah, every year I'm like, oh, Art Adams and get something, and then it never happens. You know what's going to happen this year? Wow, you got the scratch. I will get you to his table. That's I'm running interference. I'm running interference. Why do you presume I have a scratch? I know you have the scratch. I don't know. I don't know. I have to check my wallet. An Art Adams magic? Dude, you will need that on your wallet. I don't know if I want magic, but... What'd you get? I mean, I'd get one of the characters that I love. I mean... I, oh, I, I see. So the shit has now changed direction. I'd get Domino or I'd get uh, Blink. Jesus. Oh, my bad. Wait, so it's your girl Amanda Connor will be there. That's right. Jimmy. Jimmy's always so there. Yeah. Be there. You, get Amanda, you, get you think Jimmy, Jimmy's man. letting Amanda go to Wakanda without him? No. Got to protect that beautiful woman. Let's see. Not to mention talented. Well, of course, yes. Yeah. Uh, DMC will be there. Okay. My dude, what? <laughs> What's the okay? What? Come on, let's not front. Come on. DMC. Thank you for the music. Take the comics away. Oh my god, dude. They're bad. They're hurting my heart right now. <laughs> you know they're bad. Oh. <laughs> Poop. Another, oh my god. DM oh, stop, stop, stop. Another <laughs> former guest, Mr. Greg Rucco, will be here. Alright. Let's see here. Alan Moore will be here. What? <laughs> oh, I see if you're paying attention. Uh, my drawers, they just got soiled. Let's see. Okay. Oh, David's boy Tex will be there. <laughs> David's boy. We all like Tex. <laughs> David's boy. So, sweaty Tex. <laughs> oh shit, Rich Buckler, Rich Buckler in the house. Of course he oh, is. Hey. Let's, let's bring a little piece of <gasps> Astro. Oh, Sarah Pacelli will be there. Yes. What? <laughs> I don't care. Oh my God. I care. Oh, shit. That's that. oh, Send me the link. I want to look at this list. Dude, your, uh, your, your girl Sarah Richard will be there? She is fine. <laughs> she listens to the show, so you just compliment her. She knows she's fine. And she's... Dude, you know, you know who's straight up fine? And I don't think she listens to the show. Oh, Marjorie Lou. Oh, we said that oh, before. Yeah. Goodness. She's beautiful. Yes. Ray Cray. Ray Cray. Beautiful woman on their own, but the fact that they make ex- astounding comments makes even more attractive. It's just right. I know. It's like her and Jill Thompson. It's like, Did you send, <laughs> did you send me that list? I got that. See, now I'm looking at the other thing. Now I gotta look at the Slack. Slack's not even open. Why not? What are you scared of? Oh, I get it. I get in trouble for not having a... Bandwidth issues? <laughs> Where'd you send it on the Slack? It ain't on there. I didn't send it on the Slack. You didn't send it yet. 
Oh, so you got me looking at something where it ain't. That's great. Where it ain't? There it is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Lord. Let's look at this list. So in your travels, yeah. everyone, go to the New York Comic Con website, regale yourself in all of the amazing creators that will be there, and then reach Hopefully out to a few of them and get yourself some awesome art. But wait like a day or two so that I can get my shit done. Then go about it. It's, it's true. <laughs> what are you laughing yeah, at? You know, it's, it's okay. No. I'm looking for Buster Moody. He's not there. What? I refuse to believe that. Nope. Bill, Billy Fowler, Billy Martin, Bob Camp. Bob Camp! Nice! Yep. No Buster Moody? No. This is not a complete list. I know he's going to be there. Oh, Ben Templesmith. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He's just gonna, he's gonna be sticking people up as they walk by. <laughs> Bab Stark's gonna be there. Oh, that's cool. Is Cam Stewart there? Yeah. That's not fair. <laughs> oh, shit. Is there anybody under Z? Well, there's nobody. Tandem. It's right. True. Is Frank Cho sitting next to Greg Rucker? He'll be there. They'll both be there. Awesome. Put them in the octagon. Ray Lago is going to be there. Oh, Riley, Brown. R- Riley Brown. Yeah, Essential Sequential is going to be rolling deep. You passed over Robbie Rodriguez and Robert Atkins? Come on, son. Well, I didn't pass over them. I mean, real talk. I mean, we see them at every count. Yeah. Bob McLeod. Gary Brown. Chris Mooneyham. Yep, my dudes. Gary Fields. Gary Frank. Gary Gianni. Holy crap. I, mean, I could have read the whole Gary's. list if you wanted. I mean, I could have just gone down the whole list if that's what you wanted. You could have. I'm looking at, uh, you know who's Giselle. not there? Who? No Scotty. Yeah. No, no Norton. That's weird. How about Tim Seeley? Seeley would be there. No Brownie. Awesome. Why? Oh no, he is there. Sorry. Brownie will be there. Sorry, Ryan. He is there. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Shaping up to be a great event. Y'all gonna have to tell me how it was. <laughs> Wait, is it, he, does, it doesn't work. Is Mike Tron Mike Norton? Yeah. Oh, he Mike will be Tron. there. He's under, he's listed under Mike Tron for some reason. I don't know why. Why would he do that something sh- like yeah, that? Yeah, that, that, that should be him. Okay. Oh, oh shit, Vince. <clears throat> oh, shit, huh? Jim Calafiore. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, and his friend Mike McConnell. Is yeah. Paul Glace going to be there too? I'll get a dual commission. Paul Galachi? No, Galachi won't be there. <laughs> oh my god. Like oh my god, dude. Butt. Kim Jong Ji's gonna be there. That is sick. That is oh, sick. Are you kidding me? Oh my god, I love him so much. But wasn't he, he's been there though. He was there signing his book over by, um. Nah, that can't be the case, dude, because I would have genuflected. No, but that was before you knew. I didn't see it, genuflect. That's that was, before yeah, I, I was, procured. I, I got. I got that original. I bought of him. I got to yes. bring it. Yeah, oh, that was. He is a fucking beast. Dude, sure. I, I remember going through looking at the stack oh, of sketchbooks. Oh my god, and that dude is walking beast. at the price. Yeah, I, you know what? That whole list and one, one, one name sticks in my mind. Is what it? is it? What is it? I don't know. Who is it? David. Who is it? Louis Larosa. Hey, is Mark Laming going to be there? Yes. All right. He's not Austin. Uh, He's going to be uh, bunking with uh, Brent Schoonover. 
And so Tony will be there too, yes. I said Tony. He was the first person I said. No, not Tony Fleeks. Oh, Tony Esmond? Yeah, I assume so. Excellent. And uh I don't know about Vander, though. Brian will be there. No, I don't think so. Why? He didn't get a table. Bullshit. Nope. That's wrong. Yep. Can we fix that? I don't know. I mean, I don't, we don't have any power over that. You got clout. You got zero clout, dude. You got the giant hammer of wood. Oh, please. Oh, God's nervous. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. Michael Golden. (laughs) Oh, can he, can he finish my career? (laughs) Can he start it? Why doesn't he just sell you a diaper? A used diaper for the commission. Because that's what he gives you when you pay. Gives you shit. I'm pissed at that, that he gave you that accroyer. It's terrible. This is Micatron. I don't know if that's Mike, actually. The fuck is Micatron? Alright, we're, we're descending into chaos here. Hey everybody, thank you for being here. We love you so very much. And we wish you would do us a solid. If you enjoyed this, please leave us an iTunes review or something similar at a similar aggregator. And, um, as always, <laughs> say goodnight. Dickhead. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> Why? What are you waiting for? Because he, didn't, he, didn't, he, he said oh, dickhead and you said dickhead, so then no. So then there's... David. But you gotta do the other one, not that one. I gotta do which one, the dickhead? Yeah, no. Same span as the dickhead. Only gave. <laughs> oh, okay. So just do this. Gotta be resilient. Come on. Ah, uh, good night. Douchebag. Then he said dickhead. Oh, you're way off. Then he said dickhead, I said. Then you said David. You said David now? Yep. It's a mess. Oh, wow. <laughs> Epic fail. Yeah, big dick. Really? He ruined it. But anyway. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm right here. Rob Schneider for president. Oh, Thank no. you for being... Oh, yes. Anti-vaxxer motherfucker. Get the hell out of here. Is he really? Yeah, he is. Fucking dweeb. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that's, that. He said he... some stupid shit. That's why he only did that one fucking state farm or Allstate commercial. He's completely mental. Yeah, dude, dude's fucking bad. Yeah, I'm not down with anti-vaccine people. Who would be? I can't be having it. No. That's, it's dumb. I, I, yeah, it's, I know. I can't believe dumb, that dude. thing. Dumb. I, I, I kind of understand that, yes, there's a lot of shit in those vaccine, vaccines that don't belong yeah, in there. In those vaccines. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of shit in that vagine. Dude, you know who's going to come out with a giant anti-vax campaign? Trump. <laughs> While eating some shrimps? Yeah, he might as well. Don't you equate Trump with shrimp? Shrimps. You can't. You can't equate shrimps to Trump. No, shrimps all good. One, one's tiny and stank. The other shrimps. That's true. Right. Yep. We love you so much. Thank you for being here. Make Go sure, kiss make your sure to call us, please. Call David. Right. Oh, someone. Call me. Just pick up the phone. Just when you need a friend. It's James Taylor. Bye. Bye.